The University of Central Florida Office of Diversity and Inclusion brings you Matters of Diversity with Dr. V. With your host, Dr. S. Kent Butler. And your guest, Angelo Wernseis. And now, Dr. B. Hotep, and welcome to Matters of Diversity with Dr. B. Today, we're going to be uh, talking about the post-tragedy as well as Pride Month. And I have a great guest today by the name of Angela Warnsar. She is a 2015 UCF alumnus. Currently, she works as an administrative coordinator in the School of Politics, Security, and International Affairs. Angela is the current vice president and the president-elect for the UCF Pride Faculty and Staff Association. So without any further ado, let me please bring on Angela. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Great. <laughs> You've been busy. You've been really busy because now you are getting ready to step into being the president of the Pride Association here on campus. And tell me a little bit about how you got there. What's, what was your pathway to the presidency? Uh, well, <laughs> um, you know, I got involved with Pride because it gave me a space to embrace um, an aspect of my identity that other places either ignored or didn't welcome. Um, so it you know, gave me a safe space to be among people who understood that facet of who I am. Excellent, and, excellent, excellent. You know, go, um, go ahead. <laughs> well, um, you know, and being involved and seeing need for, you know, different leadership support, um, it's hard not to want to become more involved because you want to create that community and that safe space for those that come be behind you. Okay. And so I kind of, <laughs> I kind of a little bit was nudged. Um, a little bit was, you know, my desire to continue the community. Um, but together, um, it led to me <laughs> um, stepping up to the plate to take on the presidency. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's already starting kind of, you know, Justin is very busy and um, has already started to kind of push some things to my plate, which as vice president, that's my role already, right? To step right. in when the president needs right. support. Um, so I'm just kind of getting to understand what I'm really stepping into um, right about now. Yeah, so how long have you been a part of the, of the association? Um, I've been a member for what, four or five years. Mm -hmm. And when did it come into existence? I want to say it's been like 10 or 15 years. Okay. Um, I forget exactly off the top okay. of it. Yeah. Um, how but, long it's been around. Cause I was not, I was not on that page. Going to be honest with you. Okay. okay. Um, you know, I've been at UCF for 15 years and for most of it, I was very, well, for the beginning of it, I was off campus, but once I became on campus, I was very involved with BFSA. And you, know, you have your blinders on um, because- And that's how we met. Sectional people, mm -hmm. um, you know, you get into your niche. And so I was very active with BFSA. I was on their board in multiple roles. 
Um, you know, I was the event planner, um, historian, president at one point. Um, and then I started to build relationships with people who were in PFSA and finding that that provided an opportunity for me to embrace another portion of my identity. Right. Um, I kind of migrated over there. <laughs> so, um, so you're an alumnus of the university. Yes. And now you're an employee of the university. What was that transition like for you? Um, I actually started here as an employee. Um, oh, okay. Been here 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, I started working on my master's in like 2006. Okay. It, it, it took me a long time doing, you know, one and two classes a semester, um, but I stuck with it because tuition waiver, um, but also, um, you know, I really think education is important and to take opportunities to learn and grow. Um, you know, it's just something that's very important to me. You know, like even now I go to all sorts of workshops. Um, you know, I try and find other people to mentor. Uh, because I do think education is so important. So it's been interesting kind of navigating, going between employee, student, employee, student. Um, but I love UCF, you know, um, after 15 years, I should hope um, that I, I, I love it in order to still stick around, right? <laughs> exactly right. So you've been vice president for how many years now? Um, ended up being vice president for two years. Okay. Thanks to COVID, uh, we made a decision as a, a council to all stay on for an additional okay. year. So typically just one year each person? Yes, normally, oh, okay. yes. Okay. One okay. year. Um, well, should I say the president, vice president is normally one year. Um, yeah. The other roles, it kind of varies some. Like, for instance, our treasurer has been in place since the start of PFSA. He was oh, the wow. treasurer. He is still treasurer. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I can't even begin to imagine what PFSA would be like without Hank um, <laughs> managing the uh, checkbook. But So that's you know, good. So you have a solid foundation that you're getting ready to step into. What are some of your dreams or aspirations for your year? Well, like I said, um, you know, it's, PFSA created a community for me and I really want to make sure that I keep that community both alive and growing. Okay. You know, I think there are other people who felt lost um, and I wanna give them a place to help find themselves, right? You know, help grow and understand um, that particular facet of who they are. Okay. I also really wanna build on what the leaders that came before me have done. You know, um, we help support scholarships, uh, you know, we, provide educational opportunities. You know, like um, recently, um, some of the members of my board did a special workshop for the Office of Research to help them understand terms and have a safe space to ask questions that can be sensitive to ask in certain circles, you know, um, but how are you gonna learn if you don't have a safe space to ask those questions, right? Um, so we, we do try to really give back to UCF and, and help grow the diversity at UCF and help people understand the diversity of UCF, right? Because we're all different, right? And we need to get along. And 
the best way to get along is to understand that we're all human. We all have, you know, our pluses, our minuses, we have our heartaches, we have, you know, our strengths, you know, it's, it's all a matter of treating each other with respect and humanity and dignity. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that requires some education. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit. So since you said education, let's go here first. Um, pronouns. Your take on pronouns and how do you educate? Uh, how is pride educating folks on pronouns? Well, like I said, um, that, that actually was one of the subjects we discussed at the workshop. Okay. And over, you know, different pronouns. Um, you know, everybody is familiar with the she, her, hers, and he, him. But, you know, like the they, them for a singular, like that just blows people's mind. And don't even get me started with like some of those other ones that, I mean, I still struggle with some of these, like the Zers and, and I'm like, oh. Um, but at yeah. the end of the day, what it comes down to is if a person says, my name is Angela, and these are the pronouns I am comfortable using, mm -hmm. use them. Use them. To understand them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they are asking for you to address them in a certain way, yeah. makes them comfortable. Right. And I don't see why that, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, to give them that, you know, simple dignity. Like yeah. you can call me Brian if I tell you my name is Angela. Right. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, kind of at the end of the day, that's a lot of what it comes down to is just so, but are there, are who there, people say they are. Are there individuals who actually, though, think that everyone should use them? And what comes up of that? So what if somebody is not using pronouns? and doesn't say that, that you know, I ex expect that you call me or use my pronoun. Well, there, but, well, there but, are, yeah, there are some people who don't like to use pronouns um, to refer to themselves. You know, I have a friend who has made it very clear, like, I don't, I don't like pronouns. Um, please call me just by my name. If you're going to refer to me, refer to me by my name. Mm -hmm. You know, as somebody who studied a lot of English, yes, it's like, well, <laughs> but, 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 and then I said, but that's what this person wants, and that's what makes this person comfortable. So are you saying that this person I'm is saying to... that, like, if your name is Kent, that mm -hmm. any kind of, you might say he or his, you would say Kent instead of he or his? Is that what you're saying? Right. Well, you have to kind of rework your sentences sometimes to okay. but 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 yes right okay yeah so you this particular person you know wants to be referred to only by their name right yeah. so i just heard somebody sent me a text not too long ago that organizations are now um mandating that their employees use um in their email um their pronoun have you any thoughts on on that um as a general rule, I do think that it is a good way of showing inclusion, right? Because I show and, you know, by sending my signature and saying that my pronouns are she and her, mm -hmm. and maybe you're somebody who, whose gender identity does not conform to what I physically see when I look at you, mm -hmm. I'd be more inclined to be like, oh, well, she clearly understands pronouns, so I can tell her my pronouns are okay. 
them and 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 know that she's going to accept and honor that mm. um so it can you know be a good step for inclusion um i do think you know like you said there are some people who do not like to use pronouns and so mandating that it have that you have to have a pronoun um could potentially be emotionally damaging yeah. So, but I do think it's important, you know, because I know there are some places that don't want people to have pronouns in their signature. Mm. That has, you know, can potentially have a negative effect. So there's a lot of education, a lot of growth that has to happen across right. the board um, when it comes to this. And I know that this really came into being around 2015, and it's going to take some time. Everything takes time as it evolves into. Right. Right. To understand it and embrace it, the, the conversation actually really stems from people who are offended by people who misuse it or make mistakes, and um, and so that is where there's a lot, I think a lot of consternation or or people feeling. One In my experience, most people are not upset when you make a mistake. It's when you don't own it refuse to acknowledge the pronouns that they have chosen okay. um you know that they have told you that they use mm -hmm. i have seen that where people have deliberately refused to accept the right. pronouns that they okay. person gave them to use mm -hmm. um or if you make a big deal out of it it can be a little off-putting right mm -hmm. if every time you you know because like you said it does take a little work to get your brain around it um i know when i first started dealing with someone who used they them like i it took me a little while to get it like i would start to say Shh, oh wait no sorry they them or you know whatever and, yeah. and yes i had i had to stop myself and as long as you do it like in a respectful moment but if you make like a big oh my god like i can't believe no that's that's too much right overacting right there that, that makes people uncomfortable right you know, if you if you catch yourself using the wrong pronoun, you know, correct yourself, move on. Um, you know, if <laughs> but most people, you know, they appreciate that yeah. you're trying. That you're making a conscious effort. Right. Yeah. So don't, um, make a big, don't make a big deal. <laughs> I said, just don't make a big deal out of it. You know, like yeah. knowledge. Okay, yeah, I made a mistake. Let me move on. Okay. Okay. Yeah, That's when it gets um, awkward, or, or or if you start blaming people for for using pronouns that are um, you know different, you know, like that's where people get upset, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You gotta use the, no, please, please, like like I said, you don't have to understand in order to respect how someone wants to be addressed. So I was watching an episode, or somebody actually shared with me an episode of I think it's this is us. I think it's the name of the show. Mm -hmm. And there is a young character who is, um, you know, coming out and um, has a has a relationship with a person that goes by they there. Um, and it was really interesting because the mother kept making the mistake of saying, calling her by her, and and the daughter kept saying no. It's you know I told you time and time again that it's this and. Um, so the grandmother actually put it into perspective. And because the, the, the mother had said something to the effect of, well, there is plural, basically. Mm -hmm. right? 
you, you and, and, but and to thy own self be true <laughs> and, and but the but the grandmother came in and said well that's not true because if you left your umbrella at the store right, right. you would say they are going to the uh, to the store to to get their umbrella so right. it's about understanding or wrapping your brain around the fact that it's not necessarily a plural word Right. But how we had used the word has been um, right. really seen as plural. But we also use it. And so people have to kind of wrap their brain around the fact that they've already used that word singular. Yeah. Now it's just more about getting it into the grammatical format that makes it have a sense right. in the brain, right? That's a learning process right there. Well, that and understanding that our language definitions have always been fluid, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a certain fluidity to 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 words that has always exist. Yeah. So like read, read, you know, like I don't know. Um, but sometimes things do change um, as time goes on, and you know that's that's why the dictionary is always being updated. Um, you know, you, you you see and new words are made, right? Yeah, new, new words, words yeah. just created by you know um, common usage. Yeah. Uh, it, that's just the nature of, of humans. We're, we're always, we're always going to be in flux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talked yeah. already about a program that you are a part of. Has Pride got any other things on the docket for the month of June coming up? Um, oh, goodness. Uh, Pride is currently, you know, we're getting ready to have our transition meeting um, to officially move to the uh, new board, um, you know, as an individual and partly as my role. Um, I am involved in several things that are going on next week, um, you know, through LG LGBTQ plus services. Right. Uh, has been organizing, you know, like a whole week of things around the Pulse um, massacre and, and remembering and honoring the individuals that perished. Um, so I will be at the vigil on Thursday, um, making a speech in my role as, you know, president-elect for Pride, but I will also be participating in a special ceremony we're doing to honor the individuals you know, just as a member of the, community, the UCF community, um, you know, I also this morning was um, participating in a spot that they're making to run next week, you know, as a member of the UCF community. And, you know, and I think that's one of the things that's kind of interesting, right? Like, I have my role as president, well, president-elect <laughs> at this point, um, you know, but I also have my role as, you know, Angela, who works at UCF, right. my role is Angela, who's an alum of UCF. Um, you know, there's there's all these different facets and ways to be involved. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of the stuff that's going on next week. Um, I think it will be very meaningful um, mm -hmm. to remember those who uh, we lost that evening, mm -hmm. but. I also think that it's important that we remember to honor the people who survived as well. Yeah. yeah. So Saturday the 12th is going to be a pretty emotional day for a lot of people. Without doubt. Without and, doubt. and I think it's important that people recognize that in advance and 
take initiative to set themselves up with whatever they need to support them through that. You know, whether it's going to CAPS, whether it's calling a therapist, whether it's phoning a friend, um, you know, I think good mental health is very important and that we need to recognize and celebrate, you know, the people that we've lost, but also recognize our own needs right. in doing so, so that we can have those, you know, those honoring moments, but also maintain our good mental health. Yeah. And so, you know, five years ago, when all of this came down and people were waking up to the fact that this tragedy had occurred, um, UCF really came to the forefront. It really oh, absolutely. Um, put themselves into the mix when it comes to helping students and those um, who are affected by this tragedy come to not necessarily grips with, because I don't think that you could come to grips with it so quickly. I don't even think five years later that, that everybody has been able to heal from, from the things that have gone on. But UCF stepped up to the plate um, and, and showed that they were really going to be supportive of individuals who were affected. Absolutely. Like I was, I was floored to, to um, hear about some of the ways in which UCF came to um, the situation, right? Like we had victim services was there supporting people. Uh, UCF Restores, you know, with the counseling, they were there. You know, we had people lined up donating blood and supplies for people who are donating blood. You know, like we were very active and being in the forefront. Um, I'm pretty sure we probably even had volunteers working with um, the United Way because when 911 is overwhelmed, yeah. emergency calls get rolled over to 211 mm -hmm. and their support office. And so people have to you know, go help there to try and make sure that our um, infrastructure doesn't crumble when there's big situations like that. And so, I mean, it's just been remarkable um, to look at all the ways that the community came together. Yeah. Are you having any plans for Saturday or for yourself? No, I have not. Um, I think I would probably be taking a mental health day because after participating in the promo and, and participating in the vigil, I think I will need to tap out a little bit. Mental health, great. Yeah. Um, do yeah. a little healing of my own. Yeah, understood, understood. So, what are some things you think that UCF could do to support um, faculty and staff um, who are members of PRIDE? Well, I think in a lot of ways we do good things, you know, like I, I believe we were actually ahead of the curve with acknowledging uh, same-sex partners in terms of, you know, health insurance. Um, you know, even before the, you know, um, legalizations of the, the marriage, I do believe UCF already had some protections. Okay. Um, I know that there are still some places on campus where people do not feel safe mm -hmm. sharing that portion of their identity. Um, mm -hmm. And I think- Do you operationalize that? What does that look like? When you say there's a space on campus, are you talking like office space? Or are you talking about? I, I know that, um, you know, I have heard stories of some offices where 
that are, let's say, less than welcoming to okay. members okay. of the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. And because of that, people don't feel comfortable in admitting right. that they're a member of that community. So do you think that it's more the office or you think that it's individuals within the office and then that person? Personally? Well, I mean, I think both in some ways, right? Because yeah. The culture of an office is, of course, determined by the individuals who are within it, right. and especially um, to some degree, a great degree, by those in the leadership positions. Because, you know, if if you know your leader, go, you know, we we saw it in America. Okay, the last president, we saw a drastic shift in the culture of America, and and because of the, the tweets that our um, former president displayed. And so it's, it's a similar thing, but on a smaller scale when it's within an office, right? If the head is displaying certain tendencies, mm. the people who follow are gonna feel more encouraged to share or embrace or express similar- Or um, suppress. Hmm? Or suppress. Right. Sure. Because if you are in a situation where you may respond in a certain way, and you have leadership that is not responding in that way, you pretty much cater to that leadership, and you don't necessarily. Right. Because well, so you still want you still want to grow, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's very helpful because I think that um, the university is trying to grow. The university is trying to change its perspective on a lot of different things and opening the door to difficult dialogues. And that's really Absolutely. what I think people need to have, right? They need to have a more understanding of uh, what's going on for individuals and take themselves out of the equation, so to speak, so that they can kind of have an open mind to what the lifestyles and the experiences are of people who have different intersectionalities. Precisely. Yeah. And, 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 and like I said before, you don't necessarily need to understand or approve of someone's personal life in order to treat them with respect. Yeah. All, we all want respect, right? We yeah. all want to, you know, especially when we go to work, we don't want to be harassed. We want to come, we want to do our job, we want to be productive and have our organization do well. Um, and it's hard to do that if you're not comfortable in your in your space, if you don't feel welcomed in your space. So as long as we continue to treat one another with respect and support, you know, as coworkers, as um, you know, mentors, mentees, you know, as leaders, you know, we all have to just kind of come together and 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 ha have that shared respect. Like I said, it's, you don't have to like me to respect me and and treat me like a human being. Right. You don't have to. You can hate me, but you can still say good morning when I say good morning to you. Yeah. You know, you can yeah, still think, respond you know, to say something asking for information. It makes me wonder though, like, you know, you say you can you can still respect me. I wonder in that respect where the persons can start to kind of recognize that they need to do some introspection too and really think about who they are and what they bring to the table and why they feel the way that they do in the first place because the lack of respect says something as well right and uh and so 
absolutely. It's one thing to say to someone, I want you to respect me. And people may go around and they will, you know, they think of respect, but really what they're doing is tolerating you, which I think is one of those, I, a word that I try to take out of my vocabulary because I don't think right, right. I want people to tolerate my, my existence. I want people to respect my existence. And so to embrace when, it. When, they, when you tell someone to respect someone, I think sometimes it's also telling them to do some self-reflection and figuring out why you feel the way you do about people and do the things that you do that might be a microaggression or something that really makes somebody feel as though that they don't belong, right? Mm -hmm. that makes sense? Yeah. And I, and I acknowledge that sometimes, sometimes they may actually be unaware, um, you know, especially like when it comes to microaggressions, you know, a lot of times people don't even realize they're doing that. Yeah. But like you said, it does take, you know, reflection to analyze your behavior and see how your behavior may be perceived by others. Um, you know, and that's part of, you know, what we do when we do outreach and, and try and teach people, you know, the different terms and provide spaces where they can ask those questions that in other circumstances would potentially be offensive, you yeah. know, and I think that's part of the work that your office does as well when they do trainings, right, yeah. is try to help people see people as people um, and break it down at, you know, a a manageable level so that people can wrap their their brains around, oh, wait, white privilege? Like, I never thought of that. Or, you know, like, I never thought of, you know, male privilege, right? Mansplaining, you know, all these different topics that people, a lot of times, like, we never think of um, if you're the one who has benefited from them, right? It's yeah. when you're on the other side it's that you're painful unawareness, right? It's a painful unawareness that people have about how right. they are situated in the world and how that impacts others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, you're very much telling the truth there. So membership in pride. Anyone could be yes. a member and how do they become a member? Everyone. Um, if you go to the website, we have a link for our membership dues. They're $25 a year. Um, as I mentioned, you know, some of the things we use them for has been scholarships. Um, this past year, we helped uh, fund an inaugural scholarship um, specifically for LGBTQ plus um, students um, to be able to attend conferences. Um, you know, there's an endowment that was um, funded by other organizations, but for the first year, they needed instant money. And so we came up with some money for them from our membership dues. Um, we also use that like when we host workshops or special events, you know, that's where the money goes as well as these lovely pins. Yeah, I see it. And membership pins. So, okay. you, you know, you get your membership pin, you can show that you're part of the club um, that you support. Uh, <laughs> are, yeah. are, you, are you subsidized in any other way other than dues? Not at the moment. Um, that is one of the things that I do want to work on is, you know, getting some sponsors to, to help us be able to do 
well, lots of things really, but, uh, <laughs> but you know how it is like you, you always have these grand plans like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to have a movie night. And, and then you're like, oh, wait, like in order to get that movie, there's a $250 fee or in order to be able to have a luncheon. Well, luncheons are expensive. Right. Um, you know, I used to handle the John T. Washington luncheon. Yeah. Luncheons are not cheap. Um, you know, there's, and so there's, there's lots of things that we want to be able to do. Um, but right now, you know, we're living off the membership fees. Um, and do you do a lot of, um, some donations, partnering partnering with other organizations on campus, student organizations, even we we do sometimes partner with, um, other orgs, especially with LGBTQ plus services. Um, We do a lot of stuff with them. Uh, their coordinator, Michael Nunes, is actually a member of our executive council, um, which helps us in being able to connect to the student side, right? Um, because he works directly with the students right. that allows us to have access to someone who, who knows what the students are going to. And actually, um, his grad student is also a member of the executive council. So we have an actual student who is part of our board so right. that when like oh how can we reach out to students we have students to talk to <laughs> we have people who work with students to talk to mm-hmm. um you know and i think that's important um yeah. to to make sure that when you're trying to reach different populations that you have diverse people in the room to begin yeah. with right. um it's 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 he was actually a student in uh, my counselor education program and uh i remember him doing and 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 the safe zone training. Can you talk a little bit about safe zone and uh, how people who are not maybe who have gone through the training can be trained? Do you? you uh oh, did she freeze? Yeah. No, um, it's, yeah, it froze for a sec. Um, but I'm I'm looking at the captions. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, they were going. Um, yeah, the training for safe zone is actually done through LGBTQ plus services. And there's um, the safe zone 101, 201. Um, there's train a trainer. And I feel like there might be one more. I feel like there's four. Um, but you know, you can register for those and you can learn about you know the basics of what do all these letters mean and how many of them are there? Because there's a lot more. We just cut it off at LGBTQ plus because we'd be here all day if we went through all the other letters but you know you got your eye for intersex you got you know like there's all these other letters Pansexual, all those yes yes and and so you know going through these classes you know they go through the terminology they, they go through pronouns um you know they oh i remember now the other class is how to come out um I haven't done that particular class, but um, I have done, you know, the first two and the train the trainer um, was an experience because I'm an introvert, <laughs> very much an introvert. Um, I, I'm the kind of person that if there is a need for something to get done and no one else is stepping up, I'm going to do it, but I'm an introvert and I prefer to be behind the scenes rather than in front of the camera Um, (laughs) or in front of the room as the case may be. Um, You know, that's just not my my comfort zone, right? Right. But the good thing about these classes, 
And then you were tapped to be president. And so. Uh, yes, yes. That's because, um, but you know, the, you got tapped to be president because of the work that you do behind the scenes. Right. I was definitely uh, strongly encouraged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but the, the good thing about these classes is, you know, you go, you get your foundation. And then if you are comfortable, you can do the train the trainer. Okay. And they're actually, it's very hands-on. They work with you very closely. They give you all the support materials, um, you know, in advance. Um, they give you all the, you know, like there's cards and stuff, you know, so everything is provided. And you even get opportunities to practice before you actually go up and do it. Now, I was still mm, super nervous. Um, the one and only time that I taught the LGBTQ plus 101. And I'm and an only time <laughs> with me. Um, but it was a really good experience for me to step outside of my comfort zone and to and it forced me to get more familiar with the information because yes, you go through the class and I'm not gonna lie, it's like a whirlwind, right? We're going this name, this name, this name, you know, and you're just like, what? Um, <laughs> but and 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 you try and let as much of it soak in as possible, but Look, there's a lot of information. Yeah. I don't think anyone is, you know, really gonna know everything all the time. We don't expect you to. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's important to expose yourself to information. Um, it's important to ask questions. Um, it's important to know how to do research, right? Because while it's great to for you to come to me and ask me questions, I have a whole life. Um that involve me 24 seven being on call to answer your questions. You know, if I have time, awesome. I will gladly do so. But you also need to take some initiative yes. to learn on your own. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times people research. I need you to teach me. It's like, right. Teach yourself. You just have to be willing to do it. Right. And instead of expecting well, that it's going to come from someone else, yeah. um, because truly when you actually have the experience and you actually put in the work, it becomes that much more meaningful for you. And then you don't run the risk. Right. And it also sticks better, right? If you've had to work for some information, it sticks better yeah. than me just kind of talking head and, and saying things to you. Right. Um, but it also depends on your learning style, right? Because some people well, you know, are sponges and they can soak up everything that someone says and reading goes in one one eye and out the other, right? It just doesn't well, stick. I think also there's, a, there's, there's something to be said about immersing too. So not only well, are you learning, I mean, so you can come to a program and they can give you information or you can go and look at a book and it can give you information, but the real truth comes from actually immersing into community and, and seeing what it's mm -hmm. about. Because a lot of times I think people are fearful. Oh, if I go there, you know, one of the things, one of the big things has always been, if I go there and I try to support, somebody's going to hit on me. And it's like. Generally not. <laughs> but you know, if you think that's the say, only thing that people, No, thank you. Right, right. So, I mean, it's like. You know, it's, the, it's the same as if somebody of the opposite sex hits on you. If you're not interested, you say not. Right. And so those are the things that people have to get out of. Those are the misconceptions, the myths mm -hmm. that people have about people who come from the LGBTQ community is that 
if they involve themselves in any kind of way, that there's going to be something that's going to come back and negatively affect them. Or again, the bigger piece might be if somebody's going to see me interacting with this person and they're going to, they're going to get the, the wrong idea about me. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does happen. Um, we acknowledge that it happens in any community. Um, you know, when you as an outsider come in, that there's the potential for, you know, all these different things that you just mentioned to happen. However, how boring would life be if you never interacted with people whose identities are different than yours? Right? Well, let, me, let me add something to that. because I think the thing is also that you already don't even know who you've been interacting with, who is different from you, because everybody's different from you. And so, you, you know, you're putting yourself into these different situations where you think that you're running with this crowd or this crowd or that crowd. But the truth of the matter is, at any given time, any person who's in your life could represent someone that you would have never have thought you communicated with before. Right? Yeah, there are people who look white, who are actually African-American or Latino or Asian or whatever have you, that people are like have an interaction with and think because they see the outer appearance that this is who this person is. And then they get a little wake up call and somebody says, no, you know, that's why you need to get to know me for me and not because mm -hmm. of who you think I identify with. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it does. Cause you know, we're, we're intersectional beings and not everything that you see, um, you know, or how is it they say, um, you can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. You know, you, you think, you know, uh, by looking at someone, um, no, I'm, I'm Irish. Now, I don't actually know my Irish people, um, you know, but doing my um, research on my family, I was able to trace, you know, um, my uh, tree back to early settlers in North Carolina, and they all had Irish names. And when I did my DNA, it showed that I had Irish blood. So like, I am, I'm an Irish person. Okay. But you wouldn't know that to look at me and most of the time, people don't pick up on the Hispanic either. Um, but I am part Puerto Rican, um, you know. But you know, like you said, we have so many different identities yeah. that this this just tells a tiny bit, right? Yes, it does. Really, because it's only really two percent of who we are. Our outer appearance is really about two percent of our DNA and who we are as a person. So um, I know we're running short on time. I know you um, have things that you have to continue to do in your life. We got a little start, late start, but I want to know, is there a physical um, brick and mortar space for pride? No. Uh, <laughs> um, unfortunately, no, we don't have like a specific office. Um, you know, Facebook is a good way to reach out to us. We have the PFSA at UCF email um, is a good way to reach out to us. Um, and then depending on what your needs are, you know, we'll get back to you. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, we have no problem meeting, like I said, meeting up with people. We have no problem with doing educational outreach. Um, we're always looking for opportunities to partner with other organizations to you know, have events or educational opportunities. It just depends, you know, um, we definitely want to help 
um, continue to highlight the diversity of the UCF community. Mm -hmm. um, well, actually not only the UCF community, right? Um, we are looking for opportunities to reach out to the Orlando community as well. Um, that's one of the things that we hope to do um, as we move towards more face-to-face -face stuff is to be able to do more community outreach. You know, like we had planned to be able to like go do like, you know, the, was it Save the World, I think, where they do the reclaim the soap and, and, and they, um, yeah, the, like hotels will dump off their soap and then you go through, you sort through it and it's like cleaned and stuff and, and remelt it down to make new soap. And then they use that soap to um, donate to um, like third world areas or like, oh, wow. so it's kind of interesting. You know, we had wanted to do that kind of stuff right. and COVID happened and a lot of places just kind of stop doing things, especially, yeah. you know, like large group gatherings. Gee, wonder why. Um, but, <laughs> but now that we're able to do stuff, um, we do want to be able to be more active um, together as a community. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I've never heard of that before. Melting down soap. So that, yeah, it makes sense because you go and you open up a new bar of soap and you may be staying at the hotel for one day you know, the bar of soap is going to be pretty much the same size that it was when you opened it up. So they reclaim it. That makes a lot of sense. I, I, I have not known that that was a, a technique that people did. Um, now I do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of really interesting nonprofits. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for you in your year. Um, congratulations for taking that step and allowing yourself to um, be tapped into leadership. And uh, I'm excited to see what you have planned for the year and what you'll get what you'll get to accomplish. Uh, and so you start, I would assume, July 1? Or is it later than that? Yes. July 1? OK. And then, first, um, officially starts my tenure. Uh-huh. And is there some type of a um, passing of the gavel activity, or do you just assume the role? Uh, we're, like I said, we're working on trying to schedule an official transition meeting. Um, most of the board actually will not be changing. Uh, <laughs> we're welcoming two new people and three people are leaving. Um, you know, so we do want to have some sort of recognition for that, you know, thank the people right. for the service. Yes. Um, but Unlike some some of the orgs, we don't have like a, a physical gavel, but like I said, we do want to recognize people. Yeah, I just know because you're taking on the role of the presidency. I was wondering what that transition might look like. So it sounds like in that transition meeting, there will be an official maybe taking of an oath or something along those lines. So that oh no, okay. No, it's really like congratulations. This is yours now. Um, <laughs> good luck. Um, and and actually, when Justin and I took office, it was an email that said, congrats, and you're now in charge. Um, <laughs> essentially, um, you know, I think it, it was a little nicer than that, um, but yeah. it's like, oh, okay. You you know, Cause like we thought we were gonna like, yeah, we thought we would take over like in the summer and yeah. instead it ended up being December. Um, okay. It was like, oh, okay, well, and we just immediately scheduled a meeting with each other and 
and and Captain Roland. Um, you know, so I did have a meeting with my um, vice president yesterday, and we started working on planning some stuff that you know we both want to see happen this coming year. And I'm very excited to be working with Lindsay. Um, Who's your vice president? Lindsay Newberger. Okay. Um, she's over in the Nicholson School of Communications. Yes. Yes. And okay. so, yeah, I've you know I've watched her for years. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to work closely with her. Um, we vibe well. Um, it's it's like so much fun, you know, right? That, that's that's part of the joy of this, right? Is the relationships that you build right. um, as you're doing all this stuff, you yeah. know? So I'm, I'm excited. Well, great. And I think we have a really good board, which is part of the reason why we have a lot of movement. Right, excellent. Well, so, we definitely have some um, heavy hitters um, from the UCF community as part of your community there. And so I'm excited for what you all bring to the table, especially um, getting back into the to the gist of things now that the COVID pandemic is kind of subsiding a little, right? And we're kind of coming back to being on campus and, and having a life or experiences with people again. So um, to get away from <laughs> yeah. the Zoom format, so to speak. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's great that we have technology that allows us to see one another and still interact because um, mm -hmm. the visual cues that you get from people are very important and it's so much better than just simply talking on the phone. You know, you actually see the expressions. Um, but I do very much look forward to having 3D people in front of me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have a whole bottom half of your body, like it's amazing. Um, you know, and, and so it's just, I, like I said, that's, that's part of what I look forward to is, you know, um, being able to actually see people as their full, full person and not just, you know, head and shoulders. Yeah. And to be able to occasionally, you know, like hug a person, you know, <laughs> um, you know, humans are, you know, very physical touch, and so being yeah. able to bump elbows or hug yeah. somebody, yeah. It's, it's it's an important part of, yeah, Excellent. of our um, social interaction well, that cool. has been sorely missed. Excellent. Excellent. Well, again, um, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm glad that you um, have taken on the charge, you and your uh, so-called introverted self. Um, but it's really funny because people can be extroverted when they need to be. And so, but I know you find ways to retreat and revive yourself um, moving Absolutely. forward. You know I, yourself I, I've had well to enough, learn that. Well enough to do that. So, uh, so thank yeah. you. And uh, we'll bring you back again over the course of the year to talk about some of the new exciting things that Pride is putting forth. How's that? Absolutely. I look forward to it. All right. Great. Well, thank you. And everybody, please uh, join us on Friday as we'll have Dr. Amber Norman coming forward and talking about the post tragedy as well and uh, having some conversation around what we should be doing to support the LGBTQ community during the month of pride and not just during June, but always. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our show. This has been Matters of Diversity with Dr. B.